This morning, Hollywood is grieving the loss of Chadwick Boseman, the star who played iconic black figures from Jackie Robinson. You give me a uniform, you give me a number on my back, I'll give you the guts. And James Brown. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. It came to T'Challa in Black Panther. News of his death was announced on social media, detailing his four-year battle with colon cancer. The actor never spoke publicly about his diagnosis, even as it progressed to stage four. His family released... Hello, popsters. Um, I needed to come and record this after the fact. This podcast was recorded... About five days before I found out that uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away um, at the age of 43 from colon cancer. This just happened this Friday to the shock of many, many fans. Um, In my opinion, one of the more devastating losses for 2020. I did not want it to go um, without saying during this week on this podcast, I did not want it to um, be forgotten. I wanted it to be recognized. If you're wondering who Chadwick is, because if the name is familiar, because a lot of times the name sounds familiar, but you're not quite sure. He played um, Kachala in um, Black Panther. Very, very successful. Part of the whole Marvel Universe. Probably one of my top three of the Marvel movies by far. Really, really loved his character and I loved everything about Wakanda. It's pretty um, interesting universe to delve into. He also played James Brown in the biopic Get On Up and um, Jackie Robinson, the baseball player as well. Most recently... You could check him out in Five Bloods, the Spike Lee movie on Netflix, which is certain to get tons of Oscar nominations, or it should. So um, just a little bit of moment of love and respect for this great actor that died so, so soon. I'm going to see if I can pull together, even if it's just me, I'd prefer to have a fan, um, an extra episode this week in honor of Chadwick Boseman and talk a bit about his work and play some clips. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Oh, and another addition to people who had babies, um, because I do talk about it in this podcast, Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom had their child. Yay. So, didn't want you thinking I forgot about that one. Let's get on with the podcast. Welcome, Roger Connors. Hello, Teresa. How are how are we today? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. It is um, it is a Tuesday. The listeners will be hearing this on a Monday. We do these things ahead of time. Um, so, you know, it's not Monday. That's at least what Alexa told me. 
when I said, what's the best thing about Tuesday, Alexa? And she said, Teresa, it's not Monday. God, she's really optimistic. And then I said, this is my life, talking to Alexa every day. At least you got someone. Yeah, that's it. I mean, this was me at, this was 9 a.m. this morning, me talking to Alexa. Well, you know, like I will say, like where Alexa has developed at this point, comparatively speaking, at least she has like a hint of emotion to her voice. There's like an up, like, you know, it's like an upper, a little bit more of a chipper inflection in her tone. So at least you're getting some warmth from her, you know? She has made some strides. I'll give you that, but... It's... As a friend and as a uh, as a robot, I suppose. <laughs> it is... Oh, good God. So... Just to um, let folks know, um, before we can get into what I'm essentially calling a hot goss purge session, which is timed, I felt it was my obligation to give Roger Connors the floor very briefly because he had some words of wisdom about my traumatizing movie that I shared two weeks ago, Return to Oz. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of Roger's favorite movies of all time, and he had some different thoughts, and he was asking to address the public on this. So, after you, Roger. Thank you for giving me the stage <clears throat> at the moment. <laughs> you know, my plea. Um, here's the deal. I... not. I didn't just grow up loving Return to Oz. As a kid, I grew up loving Oz in general. The whole shebang, be it the 1930 classic, be it any of the material from L. Frank Baum. I once did a, in seventh grade, I did a, uh, like, you had to, like, do a report on your idol. uh, And I picked L. Frank Baum, and I was the cool kid. I was the cool kid in school. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, and I picked L. Frank Baum, and my my grandmother was picking up a a mustache because I demanded to have a fake mustache for it. And she's picking up a mustache for me, and she got hit by a car, actually. She got hit by a car. All um, for her knees. All for my arch is dragged down the road and her <gasps> knees were shattered. She had to have her knees replaced. So all for that mustache. And the, but I got that mustache. I'll say that. God love her. Thanks, Margaret. Um, but um, yeah, no. So I grew up with this love of Oz. And the, I think my thing with Return to Oz that like keeps bringing back to it is that honestly is the fact it wasn't scared to go dark because the source material is as weird as fuck it is just strange Elfring bomb i don't know what drugs he was doing uh maybe uh some kind of opium yeah the opium or something man yeah um but so uh, but there are aspects of return to oz that really just honor the tone of the book series and like yeah like in, in your review, and I, honestly, your, all of your points, like, I thought were hilarious, and I totally understand why it's a traumatizing movie it is. But, um, like, you know, the whole thing with, like, Belina, for example, like, if you look earlier in the movie, Dorothy is looking at a chicken coop. And it is the chicken coop with Aunt M. And Aunt M is talking about how Belina's not laying eggs. If she doesn't lay eggs, okay. she serve for dinner. And that carries over. That conversation carries over into Dorothy's trip because she remembers that. Um, it, in in the uh, asylum, that blonde girl brings her a pumpkin. Okay. Remember, that's Jack Pumpkinhead. All of these things that she sees oh, much in the of my my, 1939. Yeah. Um, and then um, the gump, there's a scene in the, the, the office of the doctor where she's looking at a, um, a moose head. 
on the wall. That's the gump. The sound of when she's on the gurney, when she's chained to the gurney, uh, and they're wheeling her down the hallways. It keeps showing the wheels because you hear the wheelers. The guys wheelers the are the yes. wheelers, and of course, Mombi is the nurse, and the gnome king is the doctor, and TikTok is the elect the machine that's supposed to help her. Okay, so because he even has he has a face, and he ticks when they wind him up, when they wind the machine up for the electric you know the electric shock therapy it ticks like tiktok so all of these things are things that dorothy has collected in her mind in her imagination and transitions over into the world of oz and the thing that return to oz does really well is it combines two of l frank Baum's books the marvelous land of oz and ozma of oz who is the blonde who's trapped in the mirror that's a whole storyline they right. pretty seamlessly combine them into one film with little tweaks but like all of those things were in the books. The heads. That was a, actually that was not Mombi. Mombi is two characters combined from the books. Mombi was a witch in in Marvelous Land of Oz, but they right. combined her with a they combined her with a princess from the third book. They made her one character, and that whole head st- side storyline is something from the books. So yeah, I mean it's dark and terrifying, but I can't imagine it being done any other way. Well, I mean, and also as we mentioned before, compared to the beloved, you know, 1939 with Judy. Um, they criticized early on critics and they said, well, it's a children's movie, but they were criticizing it because it wasn't dark enough. Right. It was, um, you know, obviously it had the element of the music. Right. Which immediately lightens it somewhat. Right. But it wasn't it it wasn't as true to obviously to the books as Return to Us it, and right. or um, if people have seen Wicked out there those books have a direct correlation uh, that Gregory Maguire wrote with yeah. he, well, he, one did, cool thing... he did he, he did the honoring of Balm yeah. and made it even a little bit more twisted a little bit more darker well, and the same for. I'd say the same for Return to Oz because they actually went out of the way to pay for the rights from the MGM movie to use the ruby slippers. If you think of the books, they're silver. They're, they could have just been silver because this movie is very much attached to the books. Right. But they, did still, they wanted to keep it in the MGM universe because that's what people know. So if you notice the shoes, when, when the Gnome King shows the ruby slippers and when Dorothy gets them towards the end, it's the ruby slippers because re- people recognize the ruby slippers. They needed to so, have that. Yeah, yeah. So I did want to say like that's very much in the same universe as I would say as Wicked, keeping the whole silver turning to red idea. You know, they, they had a whole kind of thing about the, the shoes having alternate colors and had changing colors and everything um they both kind of hat tip the movie even though they're more rooted in the book so uh, yeah i think return to oz just does a really seamless job of of doing that with some really amazing effects i mean those are all practical effects like those are insanely impressive for the time all things considered no and Um, we were we were certainly this was not part of the criticism not how i it there's it's it's a fantastically made movie, really. It is. Right. right. I just can't wrap my head around the dark despondency of it, yeah. And the fact that it is, it really doesn't let up. And at that no. that end part, I'm sorry, that end part where it's like, learn to deal with your madness yeah. <laughs> by not talking about it or. You will get the electroshock therapy. 
I yeah. really think overall more of <laughs> what, what I mean, yes, and you're, you're right. Is it an absurd concept that they tied into the whole mental health aspect in that era? Yeah, but in some ways it was very ahead of its time. If you think about it, like addressing this, this is this is that era. And if, you know, with as heavy as it is, these kinds of things are simple or things simple minded people bought into. And it is it is extremely heavy to address that, but also very evolved and advanced, I think. And I think Dorothy's overall journey is more just learning to cope with, you know, she had this traumatizing experience. And I think this was more her kind of getting in charge of her demons. Everything in Oz was falling apart. Oz is her mental state. Right. Oz represents her mental health. But towards at the end of the movie, she fights her own demons. She and does. she's able to regrasp it and she rebuilds Oz. And to me, well, Dorothy probably still has some trauma from the tor- tornado. She's rebuilding sure, her is, mind. Her mind she's is re- getting, yes. Yeah, so there's, there is a glimmer of hope through the darkness at the end of it. It's just such a bleak film in, in some contexts that it's hard to see it. But when you look at it, like it really like represents, I think, what he was writing for. So that's my plea regarding Return to Oz. I just think it's very will, well done. I will express to everyone out there, and there's a a bunch of you out there that have Disney Plus. Uh, it's there. Yeah, Don't ignore it, it. It's time no. to watch it. There's not. There's never been a better time than, than now before the 2020 election to watch Return to Oz. Because it represents everything we're going through. <laughs> it, really, it really does. To a T. And we are Dorothy just lost. Lost in a crumbling world. Fighting dark <laughs> evil oppressors. Riding on top of you know, chase lounges with the heads of animals. Unwillingly brought to life in an agonizing fashion. Just <laughs> constantly acknowledging, acknowledging that you are, in fact... What am freak. I? What, what am, am I? I? I am I'm something people sit on with a personality. <laughs> that poor guy. He really tried, though. Oh, there's just some... Oh, there's some deep stuff in there. But thank yeah. you. Thank you yeah. for adding to that. Because I, I, oh, I, I, I do you. appreciate it. No, thank you for discussing one of my favorite films. And I loved the whole episode. You know. <laughs> sure. So the concept of a little bit what we're doing um, today is we're going to kind of prompt each other with either the name of kind of a person, place, or thing, or an event that is pop culture related, something something in the now, something yeah. that is uh, in the atmosphere going on right now we're going to give each other about a minute each to comment on it and um i wanted to start with you roger i want to know what your thoughts were um i saw today roger and i have been talking quite a lot about you know they're opening up a bunch of new movie theaters next week um in anticipation of some of the bigger well, blockbusters that were supposed to come out earlier that yeah. really, I mean, I think every movie deserves a big screen, but that really deserve a big screen. Currently, there's about, there are, um, I, I was wrong. I didn't realize how many theaters were open, most of them being um, big drive-ins yeah, um, in enormous cineplexes. But these drive-ins and cineplexes are in <laughs> California, Florida, and Texas. Yeah. I think we're just I mean I know these are I know these are due to the size of the state that they can handle it but these are like the most covid areas but California still California has drive-in really um advanced kind of 
up-to-date drive-in movie theaters with the technology and what have you, which is a saving grace. But um, they're moving up. Next week, they want to be... I was reading at about 50%. um, So 50% of the large movie theaters. Yeah, I mean, it's coming. And so that's... That's a big thing coming, but what I wanted to specifically talk about talk about was um, your thoughts on the Russell Crowe Road Rage movie Unhinged, bringing in four million right now um, domestically, which is honestly not huge, but it's only it's only at like less than two thousand locations, and. Um, I think it cost them like 33 million to make it. So it's like, well, that's not good at all. But in these days, that's yeah. a huge success. And people, I don't know if it's a good movie, but people seem to love it. Thoughts? Um, I mean, I guess overall, on like a, the broader spectrum, just going to this topic because it is of severe interest to me uh, being a filmmaker. You know, I do Correct. like to track these things. Um, one really interesting thing that COVID has done is like, evolved the way we look at like earnings for film and like right, streaming right. obviously streaming has really changed things um like with a lot of those movies that were coming out right towards the tail end of uh, right before everyone went to quarantine like the hunt remember that whole release got botched up and everything so what it's really doing now is for these movies that are <clears throat> like you know with with theater starting to reopen there's films are kind of capitalizing on this new way to make profit um with like the drive-ins and everything and some of the movies that fell in like the box office top 10 within the last few months were like hugely independent films that just thought of creative ways to get their films seen in quarantine quarantine appropriate ways like drive-ins and so forth while that really started to become a resurgence so it's interesting to me like would this movie have done well in general think of it like russell crowe like yes he's russell crowe but like what is his overall draw in the box office right now like, would this have made a ton of money? Uh, at least now, being one of the few movies out there, it has a visibility. Like, yeah, what else are people going to see? So the people who are going to theaters, they have so few films to pick from, at least up to this point. That's about to change next week. Correct. Yeah. I yeah, mean, but... I think it's a. I think it's also... I feel like Russell Crowe um, might have decided to do a turn in um move into a bizarre character actor territory if people haven't seen mr crow re- uh, he looks like he ate russell crow i'm not saying this to shame him for his body but this was a man who was gladiator yeah. the spaniard in gladiator and yes yeah. i know that was probably god it was probably 20 years ago don't get yeah. me wrong but you look at him and you look at like a Joaquin Phoenix or in the same movie. Yeah. And I don't quite know what's going on with Russell Crowe. He looks like he's been drinking a lot. It's all that slack he got from Les Mis. Everyone hated him in Les Mis. Well, and he probably took it to heart because he had he, that yeah. silly band of his. Yep, he never recovered. So you think it was all that? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really seen him do a whole lot since the I Russell Crowe. This movie looks very similar to, as I have talked to you before, my favorite Lifetime movie. You know, true stories made, uh, television made for women. 
Yeah. With the Yasmin belief. Yeah. Made for a TV movie, a classic road rage. If people yeah. have not seen also Yasmin belief was famous from Baywatch. If people do not know, lovely, lovely woman, but the movie literally looks like a carbon copy of unhinged from what I am seeing in the trailer. So I'm, I'm wondering if somebody just said, listen, no one is paying attention. I'm going to turn this script in. It's pretty much this lifetime movie, but we're going to put Russell Crowe in place of Yasmin belief. No, 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 no. There is a Yasmin belief character. Okay. Um, y'all, I will on the popcultureperceptiony.com site, I will do my best to look for the trailer and um, for the credits of Yasmin Bleeth so we can of, uh, ensure the, everyone's up to all date. of the credits of Yasmin Bleeth so you understand what I'm talking about. And oh, god, if it, if it exists, a trailer for both Unhinged, which that exists, but also Road Rage on Lifetime. Oh, we'll find it <laughs> because, it. um, this is not a new. This whole concept movie is not a new concept. It's very much like falling down and that type of very angry, very angry white man. Just losing it. Who's had it. And now I'm going to terrorize Los Angeles. (laughs) That sounds exhausting. It does. I mean, you've seen Falling Down before. That's not a movie that I, I relish watching again. Like well, the, didn't they do one recently? Didn't Eli Roth no, or no? Someone did one oh. that was, or was it U Bowl? I would think it was U Bowl. He did it with um, I can't remember for the life of me. It's another American? movie about a white guy. No, another movie about a, a white guy losing his cool and going around and shooting people. And uh, I mean, is- it's been a trend lately. Peppermint, remember that's a female version. <laughs> Picking up a gun, killing some Puerto Rican people, like it's no big deal. Okay, first off, first off, peppermint that we speak of, if people do not know, is the was was supposed to be the triumphant action comeback yeah. film of Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner, who does almost all of her stunts in this movie and looks dynamite and is a great action star. She deserves better. Deserves so much the better movie. It was like this movie was written. It feels very dated. It By feels very, people. very, it's very racial. Kind of like if you ever see like a Charles Bronson movie from the 80s. Yeah. And they depict almost all Latin, uh, Latina, Latina and Latinos as almost all of them as gang members. Like there's yeah. just no. It's the most desperate attempt at the white savior concept I've ever seen. You know, the whole white savior thing where like the white person comes in, like, oh, fix everything. Like it is so like the moment where she like, there's like the two homeless children who are of color and she's like, like, I I have the best interest for all of you. Like it is just so. It's bad. It's bad, but God, she's good. It's bad. Well, when when Roger and I walked in, we were very excited about this movie. I don't know we're bringing up this movie but um i might put in a trailer for peppermint if you saw the trailer you're like this looks pretty kick-ass yeah but um um we were very excited for it but we soon discovered i think within the first 10 minutes that we were not getting an alias sydney bristow i don't understand how you have a person like her if you if you can do this with um charlize Theron, who is, yes. who is 
a fantastic female um uh stunt like a action star yeah i i i don't understand they had six seasons of alias where you could see the capability of this woman and that was 20 years ago and she's in better shape now i think yeah like yeah i mean her her career her career has been pretty okay but she just needs something that's like out of the box like she's been playing like supportive mom roles which are great but she's capable of so much more you know well she's Um, had to sacrifice a lot i think because of that because of that ex-husband of hers yeah well that's (laughs) he gets a message every 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 single every podcast your hate for for ben affleck has to come up and you know what i get it but my respect for him as an actor i think he is a great actor i really do but he's I also a gross person. I think he needs to work on his Ben Affleckness. Fair. If whatever that is. It was just announced yesterday that Scott Peterson, the famous Scott Peterson, who um, was convicted of murdering his wife, Lacey, and their unborn son, um, just received from... The state of California, because this happened in Modesto, California, he just received, and I think it's called, um, I don't know the term specifically, but they had, they overturned the death penalty and they were able to, this was one of the um, appeals and they were able to do it because the entire jury pool that they had, had, there was no way they were not influenced by the media and the media was hot for this story. And why right. was the media hot for this story, Roger? What do you remember? Who do you remember? Oh, Nancy fucking Grace. Yes. With, I mean, this is what she really rose to prominence, I yeah. dare say. I mean, like she had her, been in the, the picture prior, but my goodness. Nancy Grace was very, very, very excited about this case. Very outspoken. So the, the only time I've ever seen her more excited about a case was Casey Anthony. And don't even go there because we will get caught up. We will get, we will caught get sidetracked. Up. That, that's a whole other. That's a whole other story. I mean, that's a that's a true crime podcast in and of itself. When we examine the made-for-TV movie about Casey Anthony, when Roger and Teresa go in deep about we go, what we our knowledge of that of the murder. Uh, and the, oh, that, there God, is yeah, a lot I of thoughts. Of, yeah, there's a lot of thoughts. So, I will say this about. I will say this about uh, Mr. Peterson. Yeah. I think he is a garbage person. Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think that he, yes, I think he was cheating on his wife for a long time and he wanted to stay looking like a good guy and he didn't want to to get a divorce because it would make people not like him. And he went about many things very wrong. Um, do I know if he is guilty or if he is innocent? I have a hard time. I would have had an extremely hard time as a jury member um, giving him the death sentence. I do not think what they had was overwhelming circumstantial evidence. I think they had circumstantial evidence. And I think they had a lot of people hated him as a person. Yeah. And if you mix those things together, unlike a Casey Anthony who did not have direct evidence, but I thought she had overwhelming circumstantial. I thought he had circumstantial. And um, 
this is going to be interesting. I think people need to keep their eyes on this case because this enables him for um, it's, it is an easier way for him to push through this other appeal. He has more legs, um, legs in the game now to do that because he is still saying that he was um, provided like an unfair trial and it was like very flawed in it. And it was, it, yeah. it, I'm not, and I'm not saying that he is, I'm not saying that he is innocent. He did some really stupid things around the time and his reactions were not great, you know, but I don't, I don't think it's enough. Right. And it's a little, it's a little scary. If you, I suggest that people um, go and delve a little bit into this case. Case there's a really amazing multi-part series on the ID network about Scott Peterson. And there is also, I believe one on A&E to check out. And it's pretty fascinating because the court of public opinion is more powerful than I would say. Oh yeah. Ever. And um, little, um, some people know this, but not everyone, but um, the book gone girl. By Jillian Flynn was definitely directly inspired, and she talks about it uh, um, by the Scott Peterson case. Really? Wow, yes. I did not know that. And if you, um, a lot of people have seen the movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, I do love the movie. Um, yeah. With um, it's a, I think it's a, I don't know, I think it's a David Fincher. Is it a David Fincher movie? Um, yeah. Um, but it has, it definitely has that David Fincher. <laughs> The ca- what a good cast! It, like I mean, the it cast really, like... is excellent. And yeah, it's, um, it's a trick casting, and they were very smart because they cast uh, Ben Affleck right around the time that what it had already broken six months prior to that. There was he was in the news for definitely cheating on his wife with a nanny. Um, he wasn't looking good. He was gambling again. He was drinking again. Yeah, all of those things, and um, it was kind of kismet because the writer who was like a gossip writer for Us Magazine or Rolling Stone, she was following this Scott Peterson case, and she was also simultaneously following the gossip going on with celebrities. Oh, so it's <laughs> so like I think wow. that definitely had an influence on it. Um, and it is very interesting if you start looking into. There's a lot of amazing movies that are based on um, true life crime series, true true life uh, crimes that people aren't aware of. Like if you ever watch, I think this is in the late '90s, "To Die For" with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. where she plays a reporter, and her um, she has an affair with an underage kid played by Joaquin Phoenix, who ends up killing her husband, played by Matt Dillon. So that was all inspired by a case that happened in Maine. Um, So, which is, and it's, it's such a great movie. Yeah. But it talks, it's, it's very similar to how Gone Girl is a lot about that court of public opinion that you're tried, you know, you're tried and sentenced. Right. And he was tried and Scott Peterson was tried and sentenced before he ended up in court. I would say that. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets another trial. Yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah. So you tell uh, me what's on your what what's been uh on your mind with some hot goss this week. I mean, I'm just really in. I mean, you know me. You know where my passions fall and where they lie, and it's cinema. You know, I'm always I'm looking into the Correct. cinema. I'm a big fan of uh, of uh, comic book cinema, and and I think what we've got quite a helping uh, the last few days of new material yes. uh, that we've been we've been waiting for, and um, we talked about it a little bit you know before we started a rolling but um a few of these especially the wonder woman like it's been coming if i haven't if i don't have this conversation with you then it's a wasted discussion because i know you're i know you've been waiting i've been waiting both for our own reasons one of my key reasons is longing for Kristen wig to finally be given the spotlight to show just how capable she is in any genre of cinema because I love her and I think she does great with drama. Yeah, and um, if, if people don't know, Kristen Wiig is starring in um, Wonder Woman 1984. Not to give give too many spoils away, but she plays a pretty intense character and a character that is directly from the comics, which is pretty exciting for people who have followed the comics. And um, this is also being directed by Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Um, like the first one, which was great. Um, but unfortunately, this movie was supposed to come out in the summer, a big summer blockbuster, and was not able to due to COVID. There's still intentions that um, this is opening in October um, in regular theaters. You know, just like I, I, I think I have a feeling it may be pushed back a little bit. Um, yeah, they want the I, most bang for their buck. Yeah, they want to make some money. I did see it happen in no, in November around the time that the the last um, Daniel Craig James Bond comes out. Um, because they could kind of maybe pit them up against each other. They don't need to, but... Yeah. Uh, but why I think they'll be smart with doing it in September, uh, in October, I'm sorry, in October, is that whole Halloween push. Because yeah, you know sure. they're going to find a way to do Halloween. And who... You know, who is it that the girls are little girls are going to want to dress up as? It's going to be Wonder Woman with all that merchandising. So they'll make some of that money back with Correct. merchandising, you know, and that's where they're smart because, yeah, they're not going to make the full. The last one made 800 something million dollars in its final box office. I'm curious to see if we can replicate that with the post COVID scenario. Now, if people are really hankering to get back to theaters and miss them, maybe, but I really think that there's going to be a lot of factors that come into play regarding like spacing at theaters, you know, right. it's going to be every other theater or every other um, seat, what have you. And already you're only getting half the volume of people. So this is, I'm very curious to see how this pans out, but the trailer looks phenomenal. And it has been released in Belgium. So just to let you know, because there's there's some early audience reviews and they seem to be pretty favorable so far. Good. I don't good. take I try to I'm too uh sensitive about Wonder Woman, so I, I often try to avoid those or spoilers. Yeah. Um yeah. but it's pretty it's pretty ex- it's pretty exciting to have um it's some very bizarre casting that works i'm like kristen wig is cheetah you would not expect i mean you would not expect of all people no but she's so when you think about it she's so perfect because like think of some of her more iconic characters on snl they're so like 
there's the way she moves she's very like flexible and like nimble and she did yes. that dance number with remember when Sia had her perform oh with no Maddie she's, she's a her physicality is fantastic right I'm and the character has you, to be when it's popping into your head of you know people that can be adversaries right. you know life long life adversaries to a Wonder Woman. It's just not the first person. I was right. thrilled about it. I'm also yeah. thrilled about it. You have, you know, I was thrilled. It's yeah. like, it's it's not an ageism thing. You know, she's yeah. well into her 40s, which is right. pretty cool. And it's great that we're going to be able to see. Um, Maxwell Lord is a character that's in the comic books as well. And yes. him, him <laughs> being played by Pedro Pascal as blonde. That was, that is insane. Again, the last person I would even imagine right. in that role. Pedro Pascal, most people um, acquaint him with Game of Thrones, where he played um, Prince Oberon, who was this extremely flamboyant, pansexual killer with a spear, essentially, um, with a very thick um, Spanish accent. And <laughs> it's just the opposite of what right. you said. Fantastic that these actors are being looked at in a different way for these roles. So that's, or these actors had the opportunity to have these roles. You know, Robin Wright as, I always forget her name, Antiope, and I can never say that name, Antiope and Antiope? Uh, yeah, I can never Antiope? remember how to say them either, to be honest. I never say it right, but she's the um, essentially the what is she the head trainer she's like, of yeah, yeah, she's, yeah but she's got a special relationship with um, Diana too is she an aunt yes. I think she's her aunt is that correct she's an aunt. or I thought she's maybe she was the of... same sex or she I thought she was a, no she's the sister of the queen yeah although I was always like is she the same sex lover either way I'm fine with I'll it. take care um but she's she's one of the ones um, that is very believable. Yeah, because yeah. her body has always kind of been jacked. Yeah, um, especially in the late in the late uh, I'd say twelve to fifteen years of her career, because she went right. from the very willowy princess bride character to I don't know. I think it's Sean yeah. Penn. I think it's those yeah. years with Sean Penn. It just yeah. toughed her toughed her up, leathered her, leathered her in a great way yeah she looks having she's having a better career now though absolutely much better career now she plays such meaty roles good roles i mean i'm excited about it the trailer has everything we'll include the trailer i'll include the trailer on the site yeah i mean the trailer they just released the second one i believe they released this at the i don't believe i think it was at the virtual comic-con yeah um and so it's everything. It's shot in a different way that it does it give it that real 80s feel. Yeah, the colors are really saturated and pop. Yes. I they're like great. That a like lot. her her costume. Um it it reads in a completely different way. Yeah, they it bu- reads bumped the red. reds and blues. Yeah. They brought in the they brought up the red um as opposed to when you saw the other one that took place in World War One, it was that muted, that muted, um, dark red. Yeah, like leathery, but, leathery red. Yeah. But 
but it's um it's exciting you i don't think that either of the trailers give anything away i unfortunately know a little bit about what's happening right because i've i i couldn't contain myself and i started watching too much youtube but um i'm excited i'm excited gal gadot seems to be pleased and at the end of the day as long as gal and patty jenkins are happy then we should be happy but yeah, um, we have reason to celebrate as comic book fans and um gal gadot also is starring in the remake of um death on the nile yes kenneth Branagh is directing it and um she literally looks like an actress from the late 30s (laughs) Yeah, I've never stunning. seen a more classic looking contemporary woman that yeah. could also you could put in a black and white filter and <laughs> yeah she's stunning she's one of my favorite talents right now to be honest I want to see her do more things other than I mean obviously when you're in these comic book movies like I mean kind of like Robert Downey Jr. for a few years he was just Iron Man that's right. what he was and so I think with her like it's nice that she's still having some space to do some other projects because she could easily just become Wonder Woman for a while. And she has so few other cr- credits to her name that it would suck to just have her be defined by that. Because I think she's very talented. I want to see her do more. Uh, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's stunning. She's stunning. Absolutely stunning. She's great for the role. And I am I am very pleased with Chris Pine. It, there used to be a time where you could not be a man or a woman in like two almost simultaneous Act like action or Marvel-y DC, you know he's part of the Star Trek universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think most men would covet the role of Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor and the Wonder Woman franchise, both in the comics and the TV series, is just kind of a good-looking, befuddled dude. Yeah, who's yeah. Like, Diana Prince is always kind of trying to suppress her laughter when he's trying to mansplain things to her because, I mean, she's very old and much more knowledgeable. And I love Chris Pine in this role because he plays it with such humor and And so genuine. Charm. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't think he's the smartest guy in the room. No. And he is not, I think he's just more attracted to Diana right because of her strength which you gotta love that so yeah. I'm um they did a very good job um rewriting him for a contemporary mentality uh he is very endearing and he's very supportive of her and yeah like even when you have the moments where he's trying to quote like quote unquote mansplain it's not coming from it's just coming from a I think he's trying to be studious and courteous but when he realizes what she's capable of um, he's fully supportive, you know? So I do think he, that they did a very good job of, of uh, uh, writing that character, and he did a great job of interpreting it. Yeah, for sure. Yes, because I, I mean, I'm telling you, I own the first season, I think maybe just the first season of the series, and he is just, that Steve is just a good-looking dummy. Just... And he just doesn't, he just can't put it together. He can't put the Diana Wonder Woman thing together at all. That's so sad. That, and it, 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 right there in really, front of him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is, to me, it's, 
to me, it's even worse than Superman. I mean, it. At least he has glasses and changes his personality. She's just a strong woman in either form. (laughs) She is. She's she's like a brilliant analytical code reader. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, check out season Wonder Wonder one of Wonder Woman if you can. Just see how dopey. Lots of. Lots of great cameos. Yeah. And that baby. So, um, I'm not sure if you know about this, but I know how much you hate Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, Roger hates Harry Potter because they would release either the books or the movie around his birthday. Every- and everybody, every year, everybody would be busy <laughs> celebrating the release of these books. And I would be in the background in the shadows just just enraged uh july 16th is my birthday i'm sure if you like harry potter that date rings true um it rings clear and i'm sure you remember that being an important day several years in a row uh because of that fucking horrible human being jk rowling and her dark universe of mystery no but um yeah so i grew up with a lot of spite towards harry potter that softened with time i suppose here we are i mean well, just to let you know, in, in that vein, some good news in the Harry Potter, um, you know, world. Yeah. Rupert Grint, who played Ron Weasley, I guess you would call him the heartthrob. Of... Honestly, in the Harry Potter community, he is known as kind of the hot one. Okay. Yep, you know what? You just have to accept it and let like, it go. Okay, okay. <laughs> the, it doesn't make the ginger. Sense. Correct. Okay, are, just check him. He is. He is quite cute, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Again, when you say the ginger yeah. and you say Harry Potter movies, you must be more specific because there are several. He has siblings, and there's a zillion of them. Yeah, that's true. I am. A, I'm considered a daywalker. I'm allowed to say ginger. <laughs> um, I do have, I have. I have. I have red accents. Continue. So, um, just yesterday, him and his partner, she has such a British name, Georgia Groom. <laughs> they had a they had a child. Oh my goodness. Lovely. Which is very which is really nice. Yeah. So good good for him. Yeah. Um, and the I don't know if you all know this, but the British press is horrible. So when I say that I mean like like the British's version of TMZ and Us Magazine and Star yeah. and those tabloids. Yeah. It's like ours, but on steroids. Oh, yeah. That's why the whole Princess Diana story was right. so big. It's they're... very bad. Yeah. So for months, months, they have been following around this poor pregnant girl okay. who looks miserable. In pretty much every picture, probably because she's being followed around while pregnant by the press yeah. when she's pregnant during a pandemic. Yeah, that does something <laughs> so, miserable. So, and I feel bad for her. I I did feel bad for. Her. I'm very happy that uh, they had that baby. Um, yeah. and she is actually an actress too. Another, she's a British actress who's been in a couple like independent movies but you know i'm always i'm always happy to see these kids flourish um and i have seen 
I have seen um, Harry Potter himself. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe on Broadway. How I was saw that? Him the necklace, and he was. Oh yeah, was he was nude in that, wasn't he? He was quite nude. He's a that handsome was, guy. But I was, I was, I did not have a close seat. I'll be honest. Oh, okay. And I tr- honestly, I forgot within. He's people don't believe this. He is so good that with it, I was like, he's going to show up on the stage, and all I'm going to think is Harry Potter. Yeah. But that role is a really, really challenging pretty much anti-hero role in Equus. Yeah. And he, lots of monologues. He transformed into that character. He was excellent. He was really, really good. And I was, um, I was impressed. And he was, there's, there's like a awkward, like it's written to be awkward, like an awkward sex scene in the movie and not the movie, the play. And he is, he's naked. He like, it's around that time. Because I believe he like mounts one of the horses that are yeah. played by people. Yeah, it's a lot. Good on him for having the balls, literally. I literally guess, to do literally. to do nudity on live stage. I mean that <sighs> takes a lot. I know some people. We know some people who've done that, and you know what? It's I would feel very exposed. Um, I so, would too. I feel like yeah. if I could do it, though. If I feel like I could do that, I could literally do anything. Anything in the world, yeah. I mean, yeah. anything in the world. But at the same time, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you and I start going to auditions and like basically like offering our <laughs> our services. Like, what do you feel? You gotta, you gotta any ideas of uh, maybe uh, making Sandy uh, fully <laughs> fully nude? Because if you if you want it, we'll give it. My version of Rizzo will be delivering all of her lines topless. <laughs> So you just sing uh what's the song there are worse things that I could, I could do. do like just fully exposed as I disrobe and in, the, in the reviews they're like it's a strong performance with unexpected at times shocking nudity from Jason Padone. This oh directed version this <laughs> This is the uh, version that you direct, Roger, that there is so much nudity. It and they're like, be. people brought their children. It, it was would the be. first time people yeah. were out to see my There's no warning. There's no warning. And it's like, Grease Lightning becomes downright scandalous. Because uh, Grease Lightning, I can see, becoming one of the gayest. People are doing air splits and tumbles just completely baseless. Oh, I want all of the, I want all of the um, T-Birds greased up. And nude, full with the boots. oil. Oh, yeah. it gets it, it becomes a bizarre homoerotic. Grease lightning like, becomes about something else. It does, it does. But then it goes right back to the story, and it's never really addressed. Um, if there's any theater, um, um, artistic directors who would like to give Roger and I the opportunity to direct this tour de force version of Grease, you know where to find me. I mean, Grease is about sexual awakening. But you know, it needs an injection. <laughs> it We're there it. for the injection. We are there for the first um <laughs> nudity filled, very adult version of Greece. It's a very nudist, it's more pro-nudist than anything. We're just showing people that sometimes people can be naked and it's okay. I mean, just because you're sitting you just because you are specifically singing, there are worse things I could do nude in the nude doesn't mean it's sexual, it's just relatable. We're how just often, we're just naked. naked. Yeah, it's we're just naked at times, at, at different times. times for no reason. Not, I mean, I wouldn't say at the at the prom that we're 
that we're naked. I, <laughs> but maybe, uh, maybe that song, uh, those magic changes is done pantsless. Who knows? We could take it a lot of different directions. I like the idea of that. Thank and you. we will be adding songs of my choosing from Greece too, <laughs> but the audience yeah. will not know which ones are they're going to be, and they will change. They're going to they're going to we're going to do mashups where all of a sudden it's cool right all of a sudden uh, it's you're the one that I want I need a cool ride or like they're mashed up it'd be amazing celebratory. it'd be amazing it'd be celebratory yeah we're, we got to copyright all of this this is all gold, gold 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 please local theaters take a chance on this pro new dynamic this, this pro new this is this is the midnight showings of Everybody, oh we start renting out theaters and just playing. Do what people do with Rocky Horror, but with Grease, but topless, but fully nude productions of just Grease with the movie playing. And people don't understand why, but they come because it is scandalous. And it is just oh, the amount of drag queens, the amount of drag queens I could get at this production. Andy played by a fully nude drag queen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the hair and makeup are exquisite, <laughs> but I, I don't know how did we get how did we get I don't here? I don't know how we got here. Okay, we I wanted to bring we... up another pregnancy. It's all about people. It's all about people getting pregnant during yeah. COVID, and all about yeah. people having the babies, and it's yeah. also about people. God, having getting pregnant. Everyone's knocked to, up. I'm so happy I don't have a womb. To you know. To take the focus off of something else. So yeah. a great example of this. Oh, God help us. Is the ever controversial Leah Michelle, who just oh, God just um she just had that baby with Zandy. Yes, the name of her husband is Zandy. It's like she wants us to dislike her. She has literally done everything <laughs> in her power to single-handedly destroy her own career. And I I hate to, like, jump on that bandwagon, but I've just, like, come to hate her so much. And I've never hated a celebrity this much, but she's just so self-righteous. And her responses to, the, like, the times when she fucks up, it's like, come on, Leah Michelle with your big belty voice that I really can't stand anymore. It's like, what am I losing here? What am I losing? I'm not losing much. I think what happened, um, you know, I think what happened, and it certainly happened during this combination of people being at home, having more time, having no, uh, not enough things to fill in their day with, (laughs) essentially. Oh, hello, Dexter. You have that, you yeah. have um, the racial uprisings, yeah. and you have the need for every celebrity, not everyone, but many of them to co- feel like they must comment within mm-hmm. the first or second day, or they were going to look like they were not aligned on the right side of history. Yeah. So, of course, Leah Michelle did that and it came out and I believe I think I talked about this on a different um podcast but it it just was a it, it was the beginning of the end because it was essentially one um one of the actresses who was in the last season of Glee coming out and saying that essentially Leah Michelle was terrorized her on the set and some of it could have been racially motivated um 
I don't even think that Leah Michelle's that. I think she's just, I don't think she, I honestly don't think her um, entitlement sees any type of color lines. I right. just think that she probably anyone that she feels is a threat. And yeah. um, it could so happen to be a woman of color on that set. Right. Which, because <clears throat> there was quite a few women of color um, in that cast that were amazing and she seemed to have problems with them so there you know what maybe actually i am taking back what i said so but she revealed um this actress revealed kind of a little bit of that shit that happened to her and then all of a sudden everyone else started coming out of the woodwork people that she worked with during spring awakening on broadway people she worked with during uh Filler on the Roof, which was even before that, Leah Michelle became famous for people who don't know because of Broadway. Uh, that's really where she, you know, she was a young young actress on Broadway and moved into some big roles um, when she was a teenager. But it just, everything came out and it was like, oh no, she might be this awful person. And I do think she was very protected on the set of Glee. Yeah. They very, very like, protected by her, the men. Yeah. Yeah. She was very much treated as the focal lead and glor- glorified as such for those first few seasons, at least, you know? And honestly, I think, and this is morbid, but what a horrible time for the passing of Naya Rivera, who already had her own issues with Leah Michelle. And so Leah Michelle right. posted, posted that image kind of like mourning her loss on the same date as Corey. Um, and people had gave her slack for that because they acknowledged they had a very bad working relationship. So it's kind of like she can do no right right now. I think it's, I mean, I think her best decision would be just to go kind of back off into obscurity for a bit and maybe kind of reapproach it within a, a few years because people just associate her with bad karma, bad news, bad, you know, just negativity. Right. Yeah. They, do, they do. And, um, I think it was just too many things happening at once. And at at this point right now, we're at a time, I think it's a bit too much, to be quite honest. We're at a, and it has to do with the fact that people have, are trying to fill up their time. Yeah. Um, We're at a time that everybody's showing receipts for everything. Here's the, and here's the reality. I think there's a difference between, I look back at, and you'll know this, you had a MySpace account. Like, look at the early, like, the 2010s, late 2000s into that area. Like, the, like, MySpace was a celebration of trash. Yeah. MySpace bred some of the most, I would say, people that that have become prominent YouTubers. Jeffree Star and all that. They it bred that whole because there were no rules. That was MySpace was truly the wild, wild west. You could put and say because there was nobody checking on it really either. Right. And there was crazy stuff on that. And I think I'm not really putting her in that category, but I do think that there's, you know, there's people that have always lived like that mm-hmm. that are just going to be apologizing for the rest of their lives you know like all of all of the makeup artists all of the 
Yeah. Every single one of the makeup artists has done or said something so horribly controversial that I'm I'm always shocked by it. Because I'm like, yeah. how? What? Um, but they're just big personalities. Right. You know what I mean? They're not living the same type of life that you are you and me are and and a lot of them doing stupid ass things in their early twenties. Right. And yeah, they're just not nobody yeah. And and right now people are just looking for anything. Yeah. Which I think is a dangerous thing to start doing. To yeah, definitely. Honest. Yeah. It's this is a, a social media is a dangerous tool right now and um we're out for blood because yeah like you said we're trapped inside and we're people need a release people want to feel good about something but i think it's just i think it's dangerous and not to quote not to be all bible up in here which i am not at all because i do not believe in organized religion but it's it's he who casts the first stone situation you know and we're and i'm Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, you got it. That's who was the actor. That was the actor who was in the um, the uh, the movie about the white shooter I was talking about earlier. So that's one puzzle piece. Now I just need to remember the title. I can, I'm going to look it up. So Roger was speaking earlier about. Remember that white shooter movie? There's so it, many. It's it's got a title that stands out. You'll see. He it. first off, Bruce Willis has been churning out. He's been churning out movies like Nicolas Cage. In yeah, the last low grade years. fodder. Low grade fodder all day. Uh, was it survive the night? No, oh no, it's way more. It's like hard kill. <laughs> no, God, some they all sound great though. Um, I mean, it's not, like ten minutes gone. No, keep going. Okay, there's a bunch of stuff that are that is just um, announced, but no, this is one that's been. It's out. It's out. It's not midnight in the switchgrass. <laughs> no, it's, it's something that's like shoot 'em up or something. It's got a title like that. Like, okay, shoot 'em up is a fantastic movie, but it's no, it's got that kind of title though. Is you know it what I mean? uh, acts of violence? It might be acts of violence. That <laughs> or is sounds it death like, wish. Oh, it's death wish. That's so it. It's death, death wish is death wish is a um. Is no, it's bowl? not. Okay, is this it? This is the. Is it directed by Eli Roth? It's a, yeah, okay, so either Eli Roth or U-Bowl. Is it Eli Roth? It's Eli Roth, I and I'm it. liking, listen, I'm liking the cast, though. We Tell got me. Elizabeth Shue. Oh, good. We love her. I love her. She has the same lips as me. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I love him. In the, he's in the cell. Yes, and Bruce Willis. Um, All-star. And he seems to be a uh, a trauma surgeon who spent his life-saving lives, obviously, um, he he has an attack on his family, so it sounds like a vengeance tale. A vengeance yeah. tale came out in March. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it sounds like Elizabeth Shue is the wife who may die, who probably dies. She's better than that. Yeah. On. But Kimberly Elise is in this. Oh wow! Kimberly Elise from Nine Hundred Two One Zero. The original for those out there who understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't go a day without bringing up 90210 or Luke Perry. 
Oh, I've missed he's him missed. So much. Yeah, he is missed. He's missed. He's missed from Ohio, everyone. Yeah. A Lest farm boy from Ohio. Never we forget. Forget. They mm. didn't deserve him, Riverdale. He didn't deserve him. His last. Well, no, his last note was te- technically Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which and he and he did a great job. He was yeah, great. He, he, he was had a little great. cameo role, and he was prominent. He was great. Well, yeah. he look. He looks like a. God, he looks like a good cowboy, like a good old, slightly a, weathered but handsome. A slightly weathered. So again, Liam <laughs> Michelle had baby with Zandy. But the funny thing about it, I know we just got back to this. She um did a quick pivot when she started getting uh called out. All of a sudden, it was the Hello Fresh. Well, no, Hello Fresh said goodbye, Leah. Yeah. And that um, was the time they canceled, period. Though. Yeah, they canceled it first. And then she did, did a hard pivot to showing just nothing but baby bump pictures. Yeah. Because the same thing happened with uh, Stassi Schroeder from Vanderpump Rules. She got fired for some racist, really disgusting racist shit that she did. Um, it was probably a long time coming with this girl. But um, next thing you know, she was pregnant. Yeah. Now, mind you, she's been living with her fiance for a while during COVID, and there's not much to do. So I think pregnancy is, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be an enormous mini baby boom. But I was like, did you do this on purpose? Because <laughs> this is a good diversionary tactic. Right. Because people don't want to say bad shit about, you know, pregnant women. Right. I mean, people still will, but. People are ruthless. People are horrible. On social media, people are ruthless. But I mean, sometimes I guess rightfully so. I don't know. I I think people need to. I mean, I'm, you know, people need to chill the fuck out a little bit. Yeah. Chill the fuck out. I agree. I mean, there's things to stand for and things to speak out about. Yeah. Not everything demands your opinion. Pick your battles. Pick them. I've been, but I've been the one who's made that mistake before, you know? So we all I, have. Learned. We've all been we've all been reactive a little I've bit learned. too yeah. too reactive. Um but yeah, and this is a good segue into this. I'm having some I'm having some thoughts about someone oh, lately. God. Okay. And we both feel very strongly about this actress. Um and we both feel very strongly in different ways because I think she is a pretty complex woman, but um Rose McGowan is going after the world lately. Oh, Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan is she very just, intelligent, she but at times problematic. Yeah, she just bit out, bit at uh, Alyssa Milano. Oh, God. Um, the week before, it was, oh, God, it was, I want to say it's not his name. What is his name? Um, it's the director. It's not Paul Thomas Anderson. I want to say it's Paul Thomas Anderson, but it's not. Um, but she she called out a director who, when she was 15, um, let like sat with her or allowed her to. They ended up for some reason watching of like a porn not a porn but like a hard R movie together it sounds like something inappropriate right now what confuses people about this is 
as you know, she was one of the first people that came forward about Harvey Weinstein. Thank God. Um, but this thing with this director, she was essentially going, you know, I'm not here to ruin your career, but I want you to. I want you to at least admit that you were inappropriate for doing this. Yeah. For like um, putting like a, uh, you know, a girl of my age in that situation, which Alexander Payne, it was killing me. Um, Alexander Payne, he did like sideways and a lot of independent movies. Yeah. So <clears throat> election, if you've ever seen the movie election, um, and, you know, she, Rose McGowan grew up in a very uh, non-traditional manner, partially out of the United States, I believe, early on. And she grew up with, believe it or not, kind of raised by drag queens um, <laughs> in a different country and um, extremely intelligent, extremely intelligent. Yeah. Like it, it, it blows me away that she, she even says with acting, it's a means to an end. Like her acting career has enabled her to think, do things that she's truly passionate about. Right. At the same time, right. she's a great actress. Um, yeah. But the issue with her, even though she's eloquent when she, and what happened, it's not that she's not eloquent, but the, the problem with it being every other week of her coming forward and saying something about someone yeah, it takes people, stop, people stop listening. Yeah. Like they just do. She yeah. starts losing clout and credibility. Clout and credibility. And she could be completely honest. And um, it does make me long. And it's, we're never going to see, you know, we're never going to get a return of like Rose McGowan from Scream, that level of Rose McGowan or Jawbreaker or so good at like playing with her sexuality and knowing, finding the humor in it, like the Planet Terror right. Rose McGowan with like the, as the action star, there's just, that whole period of her life is over. Yeah. And I'm, I mourn it. <laughs> yeah, no, she was fun. She's, I mean like, and fun. I'm sure there's and a lot of fun. Of yeah. There's way to all of this, I'm sure, but um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, it's I don't want to say the boy who cried wolf men mentality, but like when it's one after another, it just it just loses some of the impact, and it shouldn't. But in a world where everyone's screaming at the top of their lungs, you just right. become part of the chorus. And I, I think it was disappointing. A little bit, and I'm, I'm sure her idea is well. I called Alyssa Milano out because I think that because she's essentially calling, saying that she she's being performative in regards to Me Too, yeah. and um, and on top of that, she was horrible to work with on Charmed, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, that was a while ago, guys. Calm down, and. It seems like everybody was horrible to work. Like Shannon Doherty was bad to work with on Charmed. Alyssa Milano. The only one that seemed fine was Holly Marie Combs. Bless her heart, Holly. Pure of heart. We love Holly Marie Combs. Pure of heart. You know, and playing the oldest one after Prue leaves, after the Shannon Doherty. 
So it um it loses it loses some of that. It that's the problem. She could be completely telling the truth. Right. All of it. I don't not believe her. I believe that there is this level of inappropriate bullshit um like that goes on with these young actors, actors and actresses because you have parents that either don't know any better either do and are just telling them this is what you have to do. The competition is, you know, essentially be agreeable. Yeah. Be agreeable when you're working with someone as influential as Alexander Payne. Yeah. Right. But when you're 15, even a Rose McGowan doesn't have the emotional intelligence to navigate through that situation. Right. So I can understand her a lot of this stuff coming to her now, and I applaud her for it. I just wish it wasn't like ba bum ba bum ba bum. Yeah, one after another. You know what I mean? It's just. It doesn't help, and it doesn't help attacking other women either. No, and definitely not. Not please this don't do that. No, because everybody who thinks this is bullshit and thinks it's exaggerated will use that now. Yeah. So I'm yeah, and that's to... gonna just take yeah. away from again, take away from her clout. She's cutting off uh, her, what should be allies, you know. And at least, even if you have a disagreement, it doesn't mean that you need to take a personal jab at somebody in this climate. It's just not the time. I don't know. It she's is. always been um, slightly problematic with these things. And I, I agree with what she stands for, but her approach is not always the best. I agree. I do yeah. think what I do think what we're going to be hearing a lot about soon. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you have heard of it, but it's coming out. I'm I'm very excited actually. <laughs> Um, I think it's going to be interesting, but um, Paris Hilton is releasing that documentary, This is Paris, Yeah, in the middle of, um, middle of September. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it's going to be out on YouTube Red. I'm yeah. not sure if it's going to be in a format of a regular documentary or if it's going to be, like, episodic. Right. Um, but a lot has been... A lot has been promised <laughs> in this documentary. Yeah. Um, I know. Being the real Paris. Um, a lot has been promised of you're going to find out. Because she, she does talk in the previews about kind of creating this character, which was definitely a heightened version of who this girl is, woman is, and how you create it, then you got to live with it, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Because that's what was working. And She's been working very steadily and very successfully for the last, I don't know, Roger, would you say 10 years, over 10 years as an international DJ? DJ, yeah, she has quite a career with that, honestly, and that's been kind of her thing with music and everything. And And I think that's been her, probably been her saving grace. Right. But I think some dark, dark stuff happened in Paris's uh, childhood because, I mean, the... Even looking back at, I mean, so sexualized. I mean, those early yeah. 2000s were so trashy. They really were the trashiest of the trashy. Yeah. I don't think people just, realize. Yeah. I mean, we are talking paparazzi shots whenever they can get them. 
of like her getting out of cars up her skirt and everything yeah it was like the bear it was like the the era of the bear vagine coming out of the car and i'm like my god can i not can we not do this anymore why yeah i mean it was truly assaultive yeah and um it's just interesting because the first I ever saw anything about Paris and Nikki Hilton was about a year before they erupted on the scene. And they had a, they were respectively, I think, 15 and 13. And with Nikki being the younger one, and they were at a crazy club maybe Hyde or something like that in New York City or in LA whatever the one in LA is like dancing on tables now mind you they're not even 18 right and the New York Times is in there taking a picture of one of the girls birthday parties that they have like all of New York's rich kids in or all of New York's or all of LA's rich kids in because they can and that was kind of the beginning of all of that that like yeah. Let me show you how rich I am, and yeah. that we have, no, and that we have no rules. And this article was huge. And the next thing you know, um, you were seeing her everywhere. Yeah, I remember I was, those photos. I remember I those. Just, and she was early on. I mean, before eighteen. And this is what blows me away. There was signed off release photos of her, and they were like Stephen Mizell, like high level David LaChapelle big photographers yeah high fashion but it was like you know her boobs are out her like she's not even 18 or she just turned 18 right she's new you know yeah yeah and i'm like it's a big difference between her at that age doing that and them there being a high fashion model you know that has been doing it for 10 years and it's part of the artistic there was something very salacious about it. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, she's not even at an, does she even know what she's signed off on? It hurts. It's, it's sad. Well, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to give my final two cents with, with this, but um, I think beyond the sexuality is the, the stupidification <laughs> of, yes. of the dumb blonde persona. Oh and, yeah. Uh, um, how much of that, you know, is real and how much of that is a shick. And when you look at these other, Blondes from that era, Jessica Simpson, who we've talked about before, they were really portrayed in a very specific way that is really yeah. Cameron Diaz. You know, you look at a lot of these characters and the kind of roles they were actresses and the roles they were pushed toward. Um, a lot of them chose to step back because of of this kind of persona, uh, which is really unfortunate. The sexualization of these beautiful blondes um, and Paris. These these yeah. poor girls. Well, meaning in the sense of it came hand in hand with also playing down the fact that they could be intelligent. That oh they, yeah, absolutely. that they can be entrepreneurs. I mean, look at like you look at Jessica Simpson, look at Paris. They made yeah, they've made a brand for themselves, and a lot of them is a lot of that is them. You know, a lot of the you know Jessica's career with the shoe industry and the purse industry that's taken off. That's something totally different. Paris markets herself as something totally different than she did in that era. It's just unfortunate that that's what it had right. to break them into the scene. You know? Yeah, and I mean, I, you see it with Nicole Richie too. Yep. Nicole Richie completely rebranded herself. She went away for a little bit she got cleaned up right she opened house of harlow had a couple babies i mean it was a 
it was a complete rebranding of who she was. And right. now you're now you're seeing her little sister. Um hopefully she won't have the same fat fate. Uh, uh Sophia. Yeah. Kind of and she's she's in the level of the spotlight because of her association with the Kardashians at even a bigger level yeah. than her sister. Yeah. And so that's just oh my God. That's just crazy. Yeah. But um, look out for that middle of December. I'm going to throw a trailer of it. I am intrigued by it. Yeah, it looks interesting. I, I'm hoping to God to see that there is more. More to her. More to her than what we think. And listen, she has our favorite summertime song, Me and oh, Rogers both. Blind. Stars are blind. Fantastic. They sample a great. It, it is sampled from like a great reggae song. And I don't know what the reggae song is. Yeah, I never uh, thought that her vocals would lend to a reggae song, but here we are. It's fantastic. Stars are blind. Don't worry, I'll 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 include it so you all can hear it. Laughlin and Massimo just got sentenced. Lori Laughlin, um, that would be Aunt Becky. Yeah. Aunt Becky from um Two months, House. Right? She was yeah, they finally they finally are done in court. I think the husband's like sentenced to two years. Um, because he had two he was charged on two counts. He's not gonna serve any of it. No. He's from the Massimo for the Massimo clothing line in Target that used to have, which I loved. Yeah, cheap, I remember. Cheap. Oh, so good. Um, but yeah, and um, I think she. I don't even know what her sentence is. I'm so tired. It's two months, of this I think. Thing. Two, two months. months, but it's but it's LA. It's it's Los Angeles. It's oh, yeah. there's too many people in there already, so they're not right. gonna serve any time. Yeah. And um, here's the thing, people. You know, why why you why you paying money for your children who are already Instagram influencers and have like multi-million dollar sponsorships yeah it makes no sense yeah no sense whatsoever so yeah shame on you aunt becky and yeah you know, well her career lost is... her, she lost her uh her big hit was that canadian the, the lifetime the, the no right? yes it was hallmark it was it was hallmark yeah yeah one comes when comes the heart Yes, it was something set in like the 1800s, right? They were like settlers, but in Canada. Yeah. Oh, it would be Canada. They were they were in Canada. When comes the, the heart? When comes? No, but she, that we'll, empire that empire has been taken away from her. Yeah, but she's so. in a few of them. She's in like nine of them. We'll be checking those out. She also had another one on the Hallmark Channel. She was a investigative reporter of some sort, I believe. I don't uh, think she was a very likable. Always thought she was a very likable. Very actress. warm. Yeah, it's a shame that she's been forever tainted. I mean, forever. For she, yeah, she could have, she could have done the um, forget her name, the other actress, the Desperate Housewife. Oh uh, yeah, that got called out. Yeah, she listen. 
she was smart, that actress, um, because, excuse me, um, because, why can't I remember her damn name? Felicity Huffman. Because she's like, I'm going to take my lumps now. Yeah. You know, she went in and admitted everything, which yeah. I was like, and you kind of don't hear about her anymore with it. Right. right. She'll be fine. Yeah. But, so I thought like, that was smart. like um, a Martha Stewart. And Martha's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. given given what we are dealing with, with the damn world right now in yeah. our country, the yeah. fact that, yes, I know it is awful that they did that. But in the grand scheme of things, whatever. Honestly, what? Ever. Yeah. Why? It's not my fucking business. No. Whatever. And I don't need to know. I have other things I'd be concerned about. I don't need to know about fucking Aunt Becky's uh, uh, skin. Children. Yeah. You it's, know, it's, shame on them. I hope they get their lesson learned. But I YouTube influencers. Come on. Well, I, I don't believe, to quote Britney Spears, that they were that in- innocent. Those girls yeah. acted dumb about it. I feel yeah. like they knew everything. Oh, they told, yeah. Totally. They told him everything, and when he got caught, they, the parents, I'm sure, said, "Don't, don't, don't." You're a li- you're young. You got your life ahead of you. Play dumb. Um, but yeah. So, Roger, thank you for this oh. little. Thank you. We, we're we all caught up. Need, we're all caught up. We just needed a little bit of hot goss. Yeah, uh, we had to get it out of our systems. Right, Roger. Before we get off the phone, tell the folks. A little bit about the podcast you co-host regularly, and a bit about um, your um, your film work that oh, well, has just you. Imp- your the newest news on your film work. Well, thank you so much for letting me uh, share it. I um, so yeah, I recently uh, did uh, jump on board with my good friend uh, director Troy Um He and I have team together and we've started our own podcast um dark night of the podcast <laughs> and it's a horror it's a queer horror themed podcast where we uh analyze classic films classic horror movies that have often times have queer themes or queer characters or what have you um but yeah it's been going really well or you Getting look at it through a queer lens i would say yeah we do that. Yeah, we definitely look at it through a queer lens because we're we're getting into a lot of a lot of uh, films from all kinds of angles of the genre. And last one we did was The Invitation. It's a 2014 film I love. Yes. Uh, it has some gay characters, but the new one that we're about to do is a little more just from the pop culture angle. We're doing The Cell, starring mm. one Jennifer Lopez. Yes. Um, yes, which we all love Jennifer Lopez, and I think it's one of her most underrated films in the sense of her it's acting. Beautiful movie. Yeah, and very beautiful. The wonderful Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, that. he's and great. And it looks like a painting. The whole yeah. movie looks like a surrealist. Yeah, visually ahead of its time, oh. I would say. And then, um, and so Troy is actually my, he directed me, this is how I know Troy, he directed me in a film called Teacher Shortage that I shot in Houston a few years back. Well, it actually just came out this week. So you can stream it. It's it's on Amazon now. Um, only Amazon um, at this time. You can stream it or own it. Uh, on there, but then it gets a full release October 27th. So hard copy will be available, DVD, Blu-ray, and that'll be available on all major sites and so forth from there uh, for download or streaming. So that's pretty awesome. And that then my film, exciting. yeah, my film Rebirth is going to be premiering in October, and we'll be announcing some news about that soon on our official Facebook page. So it's Rebirth the movie on uh, Facebook, so you can track that as well. 
And again, Rebirth is your directorial debut. It is. Yes, it is. I've been acting for about 15 years now, but I uh, kind of been, you've kind of, you've pretty much been directing many projects or help. I would say ghost directing some of the projects you've been in. That's a good term. Yeah. I've helped on a lot of, is that, is that a nice way of saying it? Have I insulted any of the directors? Not at all. (laughs) They know who they are and they know why. Um, no, but yeah, no. So, um, yeah, no, my, my team is really great. I'm really proud of this film. And so it's going to be premiering soon. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated with that as well. And it looks, um, it, from something, some early things I've seen, it looks amazing. The entire, tell me if I am or am or not right. Uh, for Rebirth, the entire thing, was it all filmed in Ohio? Yep. Yeah, the whole thing was filmed in Ohio. I okay. mean, we filmed in a lot of different areas of Ohio. Right. Which we, is great. Yeah. We utilized as much as we could. It was a really good experience, to be honest. Um, I had a really great time filming it, and it, it's taken us years, but I uh, finally have it in a place where I'm really proud to show it off, and we've made some bold choices with digital effects and everything, so it'll be really cool to screen it. I'll let you know when it's coming up. It's going to be in October. Yes, I am very excited about that. And we will promote it, of course, on Thank you. the PCP, as always. Thank you. Roger is one of our, one of my creative collaborators on this and one of my favorite guest hosts. So I want to thank him Hi. again for joining me this week. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, everybody, make sure, if you're not subscribed already, to go on to, uh, you can... You can subscribe to the Pop Culture Persephone on Spotify, Apple, or Anchor. You can also go directly to my site at popcultureperceptiony.com and listen to this episode and any back episodes along with tons and tons and tons of other information. Make sure to check out the PCP picks for additional cool things and the contributor site where you can read more about Roger. So... Until next week, I love you all, and until then, good night.